Welcome to Music History Monday for April 18th, 2022. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Charity Begins at Home. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. On April 18th, 1954, 68 freaking years ago today, the American composer, pianist, music historian, and bloviator par excellence, Robert Michael Greenberg, was born in Brooklyn, New York. The teaching company slash the great courses and my favorite things. Since 1993, I have recorded 32 courses for the teaching company, rebranded as The Great Courses in 2006, and further rebranded in 2021 as Wondrium. Yes, the less said about that latest rebrand, the better. To me, Wondrium sounds like an acne control or irritable bowel medication. I am frequently asked, which is my favorite course? That's always an easy question to answer because the answer is whichever course I most recently recorded. As of today, that would be the great music of the 20th century. Sadly, it would appear that I'm the only person who bears much affection for this course, as the great music of the 20th century has proven to be among the least popular course I've recorded. A principal issue is the musical examples. The teaching company slash the great courses could not afford to license the music I needed to play during the course, much of which was still under original copyright. So we hit upon the idea of providing URLs to performances freely found on the web. Oh, it was a great idea, or so we incorrectly thought. In fact, the whole thing proved unwieldy and ineffective. Unwieldy because it is a royal pain in the you-know-what to be constantly diving into the web for musical examples, and ineffective because so many of the links went dead so very quickly. The 24th and final lecture of The Great Music of the 20th Century was, auspiciously, the 666th lecture I'd recorded for the teaching company, The Great Courses. Auspicious, because 666, 666, is, after all, the number of the beast. And indeed, the actual content of that 24th slash 666th lecture could be considered bestial, meaning savagely cruel and depraved as it focused entirely on my life and my music. For the first and only time in 666 lectures recorded over a period of 24 years, I dedicated a lecture to my own music. The lecture, which is entitled Among Friends, might just as well have been entitled Charity Begins at Home, which is the title for today's post. Without a doubt, my experience as a composer 
had informed every one of those prior 665 lectures. But despite the fact that I've been writing music down since I was five years old and have a PhD in music composition, I had not talked about myself and my own music until then. So you will forgive me the dreadful conceit here on the occasion of my 68th birthday of drawing from and extending some of the biographical material that appeared in that 666th lecture for today's post. I will not bore you nearly to death with the tale of my entire life, heaven forbid, but rather I will bore you nearly to death with the story of my first 30 years, what we might consider my making as a composer. Tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post will finish up that bit of biography and will then delve into a subset of my output, of which I'm particularly proud, that being vocal works based on Yiddish poetry in English translation. Okay, from the top. I was born in Brooklyn, New York on April 18, 1954, 31 days before Charles Ives died across the East River in Manhattan on May 19th. How I would love to believe that something of his spirit floated east to Brooklyn and found its way to me. I spent the first two years of my life in the Madison section of Brooklyn, living in an apartment at 2020 Kings Highway. In 1956, my parents escaped New York and their parents by moving to the South Jersey Burbs, first to Haddonfield and then in 1959 to Levittown, now known as Willingboro, exit five off the New Jersey Turnpike. And that's where I grew up. My father, Alvin, I know, I know, I hated when kids found out his name, was a businessman who worked in Philadelphia, and my mother, Doris Faith, born Pollock, was a PhD candidate in education at Rutgers University. I was the eldest of two. My younger brother, Steve, is today a radiologist living in Boston. We lost our mother to leukemia on April 12, 1961. She was just 34 years old. Steve had just turned five. I was not quite seven. My father remarried fairly quickly. Steve and I inherited not just a stepmother, but an older stepbrother as well. It did not go well. The ramifications of losing a mother at a young age and gaining an initially abusive stepmother are, shall we charitably say, dire. Perhaps it will be another conversation for another time. Looking at all the so-called normal families around me when I was growing up, I will admit to having felt rather cursed by all of this. It was only as an adult that I learned that domestic tragedy and struggle are rather more the rule than the exception, and that an Aussie and Harriet-type domestic normalcy is, more often than not, an illusion. Outwardly, my suburban upbringing was a microcosm of the late 1950s and 1960s. We, my brothers and I, watched way too much television, grew up in a house filled with cigarette smoke, ate fully sugared cereal, and drank teeth-rotting soda 
it remains a small miracle that I have never had a single cavity. We played football and baseball and shot hoops. We rode our bikes everywhere. Our milk was delivered to us twice a week by a dairy called Millside Farms, and our home telephone number was alphanumeric, TR as in triangle 74779. There was zero tolerance in Dr. Greenberg's lower middle class suburban neighborhood for anything that might have been perceived as elitist crap. Yes, I played Beethoven piano sonatas in elementary school assemblies and was respected for it. But had I been a jerk about it, I would have been hit, frequently. But I wasn't hit, because I knew instinctively that Beethoven, for example, was for all of us, for me, for my brothers, for my friends, for all of us. To this day, I've retained a special disdain for those who believe that their love of concert music somehow elevates them above the rabble. By the way, regarding South Jersey survival strategies, I could also run fast, talk faster, and make the Neanderthals I grew up around laugh, skills that also helped me avoid being hit, at least most of the time. Grandmothers and Father. I came from a performing arts background. My maternal grandmother was a Broadway and movie actress named Nancy R. R. for Ribon, her maiden name, Pollock, 1902 to 1979. Born in Brooklyn, New York, as were three of my grandparents. My father's father was born in Elizabeth, New Jersey, exit 13. She was a Jewish intellectual, blacklisted pinko labor organizer who during her acting career starred with some biggies, from Mae West to Edward G. Robinson, Rod Steiger to, haha, <laughs> you bet, William Shatner. Remind me to tell you my Shatner story concerning my grandmother. Attached to the blog version of this post are some stills and lobby cards featuring my grandmother, because I'm among friends here and I cannot resist sharing them with you. Uh, for your information, I have found all of these and many more on eBay. As a vice president of Actors' Equity, Nancy Pollock knew everybody. After my mother's death, I spent a lot of time with her in New York City. She and my grandfather lived in a beautiful pre-war apartment building on the Upper West Side at 82nd and Riverside Drive. And my time spent there with her was heaven. Museums, concerts, theater, delicatessens, and people stopping her on the street for an autograph. My paternal grandmother, Bessie Hurwitz Greenberg, graduated from the New York Institute of Musical Art with a bachelor's degree in piano in 1916. In 1924, the Institute became the Juilliard School. Her diploma, which hangs in my studio, bears the signature of the school's founder and president, Frank Damrosch, who was Franz Liszt's godson. My grandmother was a wonderful pianist who, as a teacher, tortured generations of piano students in Queens, New York, where she lived with my grandfather. She was my first piano teacher, and she helped me to notate 
my first efforts at writing music when I was five years old. As a piano teacher, my grandmother's greatest hopes were that her son, my father, would take his place among the pantheon of great pianists. To that end, he was subjected to the sort of tiger mommy practice discipline that should make us all cringe, never mind being a kid and going outside to play. Play? Play Chopin! That's playing! My father rebelled and walked away from the piano. Then World War II and military service in the South Pacific intervened. But when he came home, my father took up the piano again. I grew up listening to him play most evenings, in particular to what is now referred to as the Great American Songbook, the songs of George Gershwin, Irving Berlin, Jerome Kern, Richard Rodgers, and their various Tin Pan Alley colleagues, music that became part of my basic musical birthright. Revelations and Influences We are all, no matter what we do, the sum total of our experiences. Along with the music I played in my piano lessons growing up, the musical revelations and influences I experienced that in retrospect affected me the most are three in number. Here they are. Revelation number one. On February 9th, 1964, two months before my 10th birthday, the Beatles made their American debut on The Ed Sullivan Show. A link to that epical appearance is provided. I was among the 73 million people who tuned in that evening to watch. I remember saying that with their longish hair, they looked like girls. Whatever. I fell in love. The Beatles were my entree to rock and roll. It was a love that came to embrace, in particular, what I now think of as the rock virtuosi. Eric Clapton and Cream. Jimi Hendrix and the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin and Carlos Santana. The crossover bands that played and synthesized everything, rock, jazz, soul, funk, eventually became my favorites. CTA, Chicago Transit Authority, or just Chicago. Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Oakland's own fantastic Tower of Power. I'll tell you this for sure. If Bella Bartok were alive today, Tower of Power, this uber-tight fusion of everything, would drive him wild with delight. A performance of Tower of Power's signature song, What is Hip, recorded in 1973, is linked. The astonishing trumpet and trombone player Mick Gillette, who was the subject of my Music History Monday post on January 17, 2022, is second from the left. Revelation number two. I discovered jazz when I was 13 years old. In particular, it was, and remains, virtuoso jazz pianists to whom I was primarily drawn, musicians from whom, as a fellow pianist, I could steal. My first great love was the amazing Errol Garner. See my Dr. Bob Prescribes post, March 12, 2019. 
Then I discovered Dave Brubeck, who showed me what jazz composition could be about. See my Dr. Bob Prescribes post, April 20th, 2021. Then I discovered the Herculean Oscar Peterson, who showed me what true jazz piano virtuosity was all about. See my Dr. Bob Prescribes post, June 25th, 2019. No one ever swung harder than Oscar. No one. A link is attached to a performance of Peterson playing Let's Fall in Love, recorded in 1969. From there, it was on to Bill Evans, Phineas Newborn Jr., Dave McKenna, Sal Mosca, Lenny Tristano, Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock, Keith Jarrett, and Roger Kellaway, most of whom I have profiled here on Patreon, and all of whom are among the finest pianists of our time and among the greatest improvising musicians of all time. For your listening pleasure, I offer up a recording of my jazz trio dating from the fall of 1975, with Chris Grace on bass and Alfie Sarasso on drums, performing Chick Corea's 500 Miles High. I am in my Chick Corea wannabe mode in the recording, which we made using my beloved Fender Rhodes electric piano, an instrument I wish to heaven I had never parted with. A link is attached. Through high school and my first couple of years at Princeton, all the music I wrote was jazz stuff, hundreds and hundreds of tunes, arrangements, and even big band charts. All in all, I filled about 20 96-page long notebooks with jazz compositions. Early on as a composer, I discovered the truism, you can never write too much. Revelation number three. It was during the fall of 1974, the first semester of my junior year at Princeton, that I had a life-changing epiphany thanks to the pianist Robert Helps, 1928, to 2001. I would tell you that Helps's performances of the most difficult new music, including that of Milton Babbitt, were never less than revelatory. Well, I spent a weekend in 1974 binge listening to a double album recorded by Helps in 1966 entitled New Music for the Piano. That album was featured in my Dr. Bob Prescribes post on June 2nd, 2020. Kaboom, went my ears and brain. Just like that, I got it. New music suddenly, thanks to Robert Helps, made sense to me. It was as if I'd gone to sleep and woke up to discover that I was fluent in Mandarin Chinese. It was one of the most exciting couple of days of my life. 17 years later, when we were colleagues together on the faculty at the San Francisco Conservatory, I was able to give something back when Helps asked me to write a piece for him. I responded with Dude Tudes, six short etudes on a short subject, 1991. That short subject was my then 20-month-old son Samuel, who was the inspiration for the set. The link attached will take you to a performance of Dude Tudes by the extraordinary Bulgarian pianist 
Angelika Angelova, as well as to a program note. I trust I will not be thought unduly mercantile if I observe that the score of Dutudes can be purchased as a PDF. Learning the Trade In the fall of 1974, I was designated a university scholar, which allowed me to design my own curriculum for my remaining two years of undergraduate study. Now, writing here on Patreon, I have made no secret of my unhappiness with what passed for a music curriculum at the time I was at Princeton. So this university scholar designation allowed me to design my own curriculum. Using my grandmother's New York Institute of Musical Arts student handbook, as well as her textbooks, which I had inherited, I put together a course of study in harmony, counterpoint, fugue, and musical form, and found a sympathetic graduate student named Dan Wirtz willing to critique my work. During the ensuing years, I wrote scads of music in various historical styles, inventions and fugues a la Johann Sebastian Bach, theme and variations for movements, minuets and trios, scherzos, rondos, and sonata form movements in the style of Mozart and Beethoven, piano works in the style of Chopin and Brahms, a string quintet, a brass quartet. In the process, I learned how to push notes around rather than be pushed around by them. I learned to think historically and gained insight into the sorts of choices made by Bach, Mozart, Beethoven, Chopin, and Brahms, among many others. I learned that while technique alone won't make you a good composer, one cannot be a good composer without it. And I learned to recognize the charlatanism that is so rife in the new music community, where so many so-called composers write the garbage they do by default because it's all they can do. I graduated in 1976 and then gigged for a year. I'd been playing in bands since I was 16. My first was a rock band in Willingboro, New Jersey called Cold Sun. The last one was a klezmer band in Berkeley, California called Hot Borscht. Cold Sun, Hot Borscht, temperature challenged organizations from the beginning to the end of my performing career. I taught high school music at the Purnell School in Pottersville, New Jersey from 1977 to 78, at which point it was time to get back to my education. If you've listened this far, you've done me a singular honor. In tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes Post, we'll finish up the biographical stuff and move on to some music with which I'm particularly pleased. Until then, thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.